We're heading into the All-Star break, so it's awards time. We'll dish out our Baseball HQ Radio mid-season awards and have some exciting news about the podcast next on a special edition of Baseball HQ Radio. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And it's Henry Aaron. The fireworks are going. Learn to play the winner's way. Because Baseball HQ Radio starts right now. And here's your host from BaseballHQ.com, columnist Patrick Davitt. And welcome to Baseball HQ Radio for July the 12th and show number 26 of the 2013 Fantasy Baseball season. I'm Patrick Davitt, your host, and I'm starting today's show with an announcement for our many listeners. In response to your requests, we are adding a second show every week to the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. Starting next week, we'll be dropping pods every Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday's editions will have our feature interview with an industry expert starting this coming Tuesday with Jeff Erickson of rotowire.com. Tuesday will also be the home of the Minor League Minute and Master Notes. On Friday, we'll have our roundup and analysis of player news from the National League and the American League and our weekly matchups report. Friday will also be our day for our weekly chat with Todd Zola. And Todd's talk might even get to go a few minutes longer. Overall, we expect each show to be a little shorter than the current weekly edition, which will be a relief to those of you who listen to the show during your workouts. But combined, we expect to be giving you a little more podcast goodness every week. Baseball HQ Radio, now twice a week. Hey, does the phrase dropping pods sound worse than it is? Now it's on to the special edition of Baseball HQ Radio, our annual mid-season awards show. As in the past, we've convened a Baseball HQ Radio roundtable, including our league beat reporters Harold Nichols and Jock Thompson, matchups analyst Ryan Bloomfield, our regular commentator Todd Zola, and me, hey now, Patrick Davitt. We'll be talking about our player awards for fantasy most valuable players, Cy Youngs, and rookies of the year in the American and National Leagues, as well as the busts of the year so far in both leagues. So what do you say? Time to polish up the trophies. We gotta talk some baseball. And to start our show, let's meet our panel. First, our National League Newswatch beat reporter. It's our old friend Harold Nichols. Nick, good to have you. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Good to be back. Our American League beat reporter is Jock Thompson. Hey, PD. Looking forward to it. Our matchups commentator, Ryan Bloomfield. Thanks, Patrick. It's great to be here. Let's uh, let's get this show on the road. And weekly commentator, Todd Zola. Good to be here, Patrick. Okay, boys, let's get this show on the road with our picks for Fantasy Rookie of the Year. And let's start in the American League. Harold Nichols, who got your vote? AL Rookie of the Year in the first half. I think uh, it's kind of a close race between Nick Franklin of Seattle and uh, Oswaldo Arcio of Minnesota. Both have very, very similar stats, uh, hitting around 275, uh, about five, six home runs each. Uh, the difference to me would be that Franklin has uh, about five stolen bases, uh, which Arcia does not, and so that would make me, I think, lean toward Franklin uh, as, the, uh, as the selection. Jock Thompson, uh, who's your pick for American League Fantasy Rookie of the First Half? 
Likewise, I'm going with Nick Franklin also in what is an amazingly weak American League rookie field on the strength of his stolen bases and position. Now, Franklin's batting eye really took a jump at AAA Tacoma. He had 30 walks compared to 20 strikeouts in just 142 at-bats, and perhaps this is part of the reason for his major league starts if this is real improvement. But again, he barely has over 140 major league at-bats so far, so there's plenty of time left for Franklin to slump or even for another player to change my mind by the end of the season. But for now, Franklin's the call for me. It is a very weak field, and I, too, am taking Nick Franklin of the Mariners, despite his relative shortfall in at-bats. Uh, he's out-batting, averaging uh, Arcia pretty substantially, and the stolen bases and the tougher defensive position and the tougher uh, fantasy position to fill make Franklin uh, my pick as well. So that's three votes in a row for Nick Franklin. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield, are you going to keep it going? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the flow here as well with these smart gentleman in front of me. I'm going to take Nick Franklin from Seattle. He, he's definitely my choice, though I, I did consider Jose Iglesias from the Red Sox for this as well. Iglesias has pretty much flirted with 400 for most of the season and on base right around the 440-ish area. Um, obviously unsustainable, but definitely pretty impressive so far. Uh, the thing for me was his lack of counting stats. Home runs and steals just aren't there. So so Franklin with his across the board production again if you take his at bats over a, over an entire season so far you're looking at a 2020 guy from the middle infield and that that's that's pretty good so Franklin's my choice as well so we have four in a row for Nick Franklin of Seattle as the American League rookie of the first half. I think partly because we found out Leonis Martins not eligible for the award might have changed a few people's minds. Todd Zola, are you going to be able to make it unanimous for Nick Franklin? I'm actually going to disagree with my colleagues and take Oswaldo Arcia as my AL rookie of the year so far. Uh, Franklin does have the steals and he does play shortstop, but I think we often overlook the runs in the RBI category on a fantasy basis, and Arcia's got a pretty good, pretty good lead, uh, double-digit advantage combined in those categories. So I'm going to go with Arcia. Uh, I do want to throw a quick uh, shout-out to Cody Allen, the set-up man of the Indians, who's doing an outstanding job so far. And I actually think he could be a better closer than Vinny Pistano if, if Perez is actually, Chris Perez is traded down the line. Allen's, you know, sporting a, a double-digit uh, dom and uh, pretty good for any, let alone a rookie, that's pretty good for anybody. So Nick Franklin takes the American League Rookie Award by a vote of 4-1, to one, and now we'll move on to the Rookie of the Year in the National League. And Todd Zola, let's start with you this time. Who's your vote? I have a, I have a sneaky suspicion that we're about to hear some pitchers named after me, but I'm going to go with a catcher. I'm going to go with Evan Gaddis of the Braves as my NL Rookie of the Year midseason. Uh, it may take a, it took him a little while probably to get catcher eligibility in most leagues, but heck, he was well worth the wait. 12 homers and a 251 average from a second catcher, and either NL only or mixed, you've already gotten your return of investment, and he's missed a lot of the time, and you've gotten to put someone in his stead. Anything he gets in the second half is icing. So with due respect to uh, some pitchers that I'm pretty sure we're about to hear, give me Evan Gaddis as the NL rookie at midseason. And keeping in mind that Matt Harvey's not eligible for Rookie of the Year consideration, let's move on and see if Todd Zola is correct, that we'll have some pitchers named, and we'll start by asking Ryan Bloomfield. Ryan, who's your National League Rookie of the first half? 
Definitely a good choice by Todd with Gaddis. That's an interesting guy with a pretty crazy story, so I like that pick. But I'm going to have to go with Shelby Miller from St. Louis. Um, ERA under 3, whip under 1.2 so far in the first half, uh, striking out more than a batter per inning. Pretty remarkable numbers from a 22-year-old. And the skills have really backed it up. He's striking out more than a batter per inning. His base performance value, which is a combined uh, skill metric at BaseballHQ.com, has been over 115 in every month, April, May, and June, so far in the first half. That's pretty remarkable. It speaks to the um, the actual skills behind the numbers, the consistency, and it shows me that Miller's definitely living up to the hype of his of his top prospect status. So he's my he's my choice for NL Rookie of the Year. And I think I know the reason that Shelby Miller has been so successful this year. I had him on my Tout Wars reserve roster last year. My vote this year goes to Jose Fernandez of the Marlins. I agree Miller's performance has been remarkable for a 22-year-old, but Fernandez is two years younger. An ERA well under three and a whip just over one in just under 100 innings, $15 in value is top 15 among NL starters, whether rookies or not. And his performance, likewise backed up by skills, a 9.1 strikeouts per nine dominance, 2.7 strikeouts to walk command ratio. I know Miller is ahead by dollar value, but the difference is entirely due to their win totals. If Fernandez were in St. Louis and Shelby Miller was in Miami, I think those win totals would probably be reversed. I also want to give honorable mention to Miller himself and to Hyunjin Ru and Yaziel Puig of the Dodgers. I might have given Puig the nod right now if I hadn't waived him from my reserve and tout wars this year so I could hold on to Diane Viciedo, which I irrationally blame on Puig. Harold Nichols, who's your pick for National League rookie? I'm going to have to go with a uh, completely different choice, uh, fourth fourth different player in the National League for rookie of the year, and that would be uh, Anthony Brendan. Uh, Washington. Rendon has hitting, hitting around 300, uh, four home runs in his first 150 major league bats, and uh, really been tearing it up uh, for the, about the past month. So he'd be my choice. So we have four votes, four different players, Evan Gaddis, Shelby Miller, Jose Fernandez, and Anthony Rendon. I'll leave it up to you, Jock Thompson. Are you going to break this tie, or are you going to pick somebody else and make it five for five? The four different names we have so far illustrates the really solid Rookie of the Year field in the National League as opposed to the American League. But I think I'm going to break the tie by being the second vote for Shelby Miller here. That ERA hovering around three and whiffing over a batter an inning with a, over 100 innings pitched uh, really does it for me. Though I note that he has faded since June with a four-plus ERA. And as in the American League, I can see another player having a more compelling se- overall season come the end of September. But Miller's my call. Okay, so Shelby Miller on a split decision, I guess we'll say, is our National League Rookie of the Year. And when we come back, we'll talk about the busts of the year in the American League and National League. You're listening to Baseball HQ Radio. Let me say something about Greenies. First of all, Greenies were not performance enhancers. At the best, they allowed a guy with a hangover or somebody who didn't get any sleep that night to be more alert, and he was able to play up to his normal ability. So they were performance enablers. They were not performance enhancers. They did not, they did not make him a better player than he ordinarily would. That's the difference between amphetamines and these uh, uh, human growth hormones and, and steroids. I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that's okay. I, I think there should be a ban on amphetamines too because they're not healthy. But they have to be put into a different category, uh, you know, than, than the uh, 
human growth hormones. They're, they're probably something a little bit better than a cup of coffee in terms of the stimulation that you get. So I think you, you need to, uh, baseball needs to make a distinction there. Baseball HQ Radio. And welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio. I'm Patrick Davitt, and it's our annual mid-season award show for fantasy baseball. We've looked at the rookies of the year, and now let's turn to the busts of the year, the players who have really disappointed their owners in both leagues. We'll start in the American League, and our first voter will be BaseballHQ.com researcher and writer at MastersBall.com, ESPN, and other places. Todd Zola, who's your vote for the bust of the year in the American League? Well, despite a recent surge, my AL bust to this point is going to be Josh Hamilton of the Angels. There were sort of mixed signals coming into the season. Just straight park effects all by themselves. It looked like Angel Stadium was going to hurt Hamilton as opposed to Arlington. But if you did a park overlay, it showed that almost all of the homers he hit last year, home and road, would have still gone out in Anaheim. So I was a little more optimistic that the power would hold. And you know what? It still might, but it hasn't yet. So, plus so far. Ryan Bloomfield, what do you say? Yeah, Todd, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Uh, Josh Hamilton's my my pick as well for American League Bust of the Year. And it's interesting that for once it's not injury-related with Hamilton. Usually when we see a drop in his numbers, it's because he got hurt somewhere along the way. But this has been pretty much a drop in skill across the board. He's got over 300 at-bats in the first half. Uh, the, the batting average drop supported by an expected batting average drop. His key power metrics are down. And it's interesting, Hamilton's preseason projections on BaseballHQ.com were actually pretty bearish. Uh, raised some eyebrows, caused a lot of discussion on the site. But so far, that's turned out to be pretty spot on. Uh, so Hamilton, you know, as a, as a late first rounder in AL only leagues, second to third rounder in mixed leagues, just hasn't produced. So his owners are probably hurting right now as are Angel fans and and their management for sure. So it's Hamilton for me. I'll go next, and my AL bust is going to a guy whose bust line has always been perceived as something of a problem, Billy Butler of the Royals. Butler was projected to be about a $25 player this season after his excellent 2012. He earned about 25 bucks with 29 homers, 107 RBIs, and a 313 average. And he got everybody excited that this was finally the breakout. Here comes that 330 home run season to come. Instead, here he is. He's struggling around 270, and he's going to be hard-pressed at current rates to get to 15 home runs for the year, much less 30. I'm going to give, shall we say, dishonorable mentions to Brett Laurie of the Blue Jays and Jesus Montero, but we knew they were supposed to be gambles going into the season. Butler was supposed to be a lock, and for me, he's a lock as the bust of the year in the American League. Now on to Harold Nichols. Nick, who's your bust of the year in the AL? I'm going to have to agree with uh, Todd and with Ryan. Uh, about the bust in terms of Josh Hamilton. I mean, uh, here's a guy that uh, you can understand if he'd been hurt, but uh, he's been healthy, uh, as healthy as anyone could ask for, and has been absolutely awful. I'm sure it's killed a lot of teams that selected him early, so uh, that's my choice for the bust. All right, so three votes for Josh Hamilton. Uh, Jock Thompson out there in Southern California, big Angels fan. Are you going to make it four out of five for your uh, new Angel Josh Hamilton? I could have easily gone with the majority on Josh Hamilton here, but frankly, his issues began in the second half of 2012. So a lot of uh, fantasy owners, I think, saw him coming. 
Albert Pujols, on the other hand, was expected to match his 2012 numbers and even exceeded if he could avoid uh, the early April slump that he had then. I can't tell how much of this slump is uh, the plant arthritis related or a skills decline, but Pujols has been scuffling between 240 and 260 batting average-wise for the entire season, and his owners expected much more. Uh, the 15 home runs say the power is still there, although his expected power metric has faded noticeably. Now, this is a guy who was taken in the top five, top seven uh, players in the draft, and given his feet issues, I don't see how it gets much better for him in the second half. So you did pick an angel after all, Jock, just not Josh Hamilton. Nonetheless, Josh Hamilton is the winner of Bust of the Year so far in the American League, picking up three out of our five votes. Now let's turn it over to the National League, and we'll start this time with BaseballHQ.com matchups analyst Ryan Bloomfield. Yeah, on the National League side, Patrick, I'm going to have to go with Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, you know, the old adage goes, you can't win your league in the first round, uh, but you sure as heck could lose it. And those that drafted Stanton are probably losing right now uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, he was hurt. He did miss all of May with a hamstring injury, which certainly didn't help. But his skills are down a little bit as well, especially in the power department. I mean, his power index, which is over 200 the last two seasons, which is elite, uh, is down to around 135 right now. Um, home runs per fly ball rate, hard hit ball rate are both down as well. Um, and also, you know, his supporting cast in Miami is is pretty bad as well. So his walk rate is way up. Uh, he's probably being pitched around uh, a little bit more. His run total, his RBI total, just a tick over 20 each. Um, that's far from first-round production. So Stanton uh, gets my vote for... For National League Bust of the Year. Okay, so one vote for the slugger Giancarlo Stanton, although you have to feel sorry for anybody who has to play down there in Miami. Let's move over to our National League beat reporter here at Baseball HQ Radio, Harold Nichols. Nick, who's your pick for National League Bust of the Year 2013 to date? For me, the biggest bust has got to be Cole Hamels. I mean, here's a guy who should have been the, uh, was kind of preseason choice as perhaps the best pitcher in the National League. and here we are at the break. He has less than five wins. He's got an ERA north of four. And the uh, the bad thing is that, that his, his skills have been just fine. So uh, here's a guy who really, really should, I think, turn it around in the second half in terms of his numbers. But uh, if you look at those numbers, he, he's my choice for bust. Good skills, bad results, the most frustrating kind of bust to have, I guess. Uh, Jock Thompson, who's your pick for bust of the year so far in the National League? I'm going to make this bust of the year an L.A. thing and pick Matt Kemp for similar reasons that I picked two holes for the same honor in the American League. It's a real crowded NL field, and we haven't even mentioned names like Starling Castor or Ike Davis. But like Pujols, Kemp was being selected in the top five, six players in most uh, March and April drafts. And with just four home runs uh, or, or around there and, and around a two fifty batting average, um, he's been worse than Pujols. Uh, only the nine stolen bases are redeeming, but Kemp has even had more injury issues to fight through than Pujols, so I don't expect much from him in the second half either. So three voters, three votes. Todd Zola, can you add any clarity here with your vote for National League Bust of the Year to date? I'm going to introduce a fourth name to the mix. Jason Hayward of the Atlanta Braves is my bust of the first half in the National League. Now, I know his contact is better than last year, and I know you can say he's had, he has a, an unlucky hit rate, but unlucky isn't a rota category. Home runs and stolen bases are, and his power and speed are both down. Now, perhaps, you know, he's a good buy low or candidate to rebound in the second half, but as far as the first half goes, bust. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Todd. So we have four voters now and four votes, and I will tell you I am going to break the tie, but I'm fairly surprised that nobody's mentioned B.J. Upton of the Braves, who's had a really terrible year after a lot of people expected a, a nice rebound based on the fact that he was playing with his brother and so forth down in Atlanta. You know, a nice situation for him, and he's been terrible. But my vote in the first half, I'll join Harold Nichols in voting for Cole Hamels of the Phillies. This was a projected $33 pitcher who has returned under $0 so far this year with uh, only a handful of wins, a four and a quarter ERA, and a minus $34 loss. That's the worst in the National League. And it's especially damaging for anyone who banked on Hamels as a rotation anchor, as I did in Tau Ors Mixed. He has been an anchor, but only in the sense that he has sunk an awful lot of teams. And while we all still expect him to rebound, the BaseballHQ.com projection for the rest of the year is $19, which means Hamels owners are going to take a huge haircut on this ace starter. And my dishonorable mentions in this category... B.J. Upton, as I mentioned, and Ike Davis of the Mets, another huge disappointment for owners expecting a nice breakthrough year. But as it is, our bust of the year in the National League so far is Cole Hamels. Our fantasy Cy Young Awards are next. Stay with us. This is Baseball HQ Radio. And the pitch. Swung on in a high drive center field. Jones is going back. He turns. He looks. And that ball is history. Josh Hamilton has hit his fourth home run of the ball game. All of them two-run shots. Eight RBIs for Hamilton. And four home runs. Baseball HQ Radio. And welcome back to the Baseball HQ Radio Annual Mid-Season Awards Program. I'm Patrick Davitt, along with Jock Thompson, Harold Nichols, Todd Zola, and Ryan Bloomfield from BaseballHQ.com. And we move on now to the pitchers and the Fantasy Cy Young Awards for the first half. I'll lead off, and I have to explain myself a bit here. I focus on fantasy profit for the most part. And for that reason, I'm going to give my vote to Hisashi Iwakuma a $2 projection who went undrafted or reserve drafted in a lot of leagues and spent most of the first half around $30 with an ERA under 3 and a whip under 1.0 and more than 100 strikeouts. I know there are going to be other pitchers with higher fantasy earnings like Max Scherzer, but Scherzer's value comes largely from his wins, and he gets those mostly because the Tigers seem to bring their hitting shoes to his starts. They score more than six runs per game. Contrast that with Chris Sale, who gets about two and a half per start from the White Sox. Besides that, and more importantly to me, owners paid in full for Scherzer's production, and fantasy success is about that profit. And right now, in the first half, the most profitable pitcher in the American League has been Hisashi Iwakuma. I'm going to give honorable mention to Bartolo Colon, who's plus $18 on a $19 production so far, and Clay Buchholz of the Red Sox. Now let's move it over to Baseball HQ Radio's American League beat reporter, Jock Thompson. Jock, who gets your vote? I'm taking Max Scherzer as my AL fantasy Cy Young. Now his stats are fairly similar to all the other candidates, but where he separates himself are the strikeouts and the wins. Now we can argue that wins are luck and a product of run support and a solid team, you know, and I, and I agree with all that, but there's still a stat in most fantasy leagues. So with double-digit wins and well over 140 Ks and counting, I'll take Scherzer in this field. All right, so a vote for Max Scherzer, one for Hisashi Iwakuma. Let's move to Harold Nichols from Baseball HQ Radio's National League beat reporter. Nick, who gets your vote? 
I'm going to agree with Patrick about Iwakuma as the Cy Young winner in the American League. Um, and the stats that he cites are, are absolutely correct. Uh, let me throw out still another reason to select him. In the, uh, the I'm in three three different American League uh, fantasy leagues. And in all three of those leagues, the team that is leading in pitching at this point, halfway point, has Iwakuma as the uh, member of the staff. And he's the only member of the staff on all three league-leading teams. So that's another perhaps good reason to suggest that he's, he is the uh, Cy Young winner at the moment. Can't argue with a guy who's on a lot of winning rosters, that's for sure. Todd Zola, who gets your vote for the fantasy Cy Young in the American League to date? Chris Sale of the Chicago White Sox. You know, when you think about it, it was about this time last year that in the course of one weekend, he was going to need Tommy John surgery, and then, nope, he's going to be the closer. You know what? Nope, we're going to make him starter again. And that was without throwing a single pitch. I um, went into this year a little bit concerned. Dynasty leagues, I'm very concerned. But right now, his dom is better than last year. His control is better than last year. I'm riding that horse until it falls apart. I think it will but not yet. Well, I guess we can also sit around and wait for Chris Sale to get some run support. As I mentioned, he's been uh, under three runs a game from the anemic Chicago White Sox offense, and uh, I have him on some teams, and believe me, it's a, it's a concern as we look at the whole pitching situation. Finally, our American League Cy Young vote goes to uh, Ryan Bloomfield. Ryan, are you going to make a tie or break a tie or fix a consensus? Yeah, I'm going to make it a majority here. I'm going to agree with Patrick and Harold. I uh, go with Iwakuma for AL Cy Young. Um, really, again, the, the ratio categories, ERA and WHIP, have been so good for Iwakuma. He, he's dropped off a little bit lately, but overall in the first half, uh, from where he was drafted from, um, those owners got a huge boost uh, from Iwakuma. So he's my guy. I, I did go back and forth, though, between he and Scherzer. Um, so Jock, you know, I definitely... I'm on board with that pick for sure. Uh, Scherzer has the best skills in the American League, most wins, um, but costs a little more on draft day. So Iwakuma was my pick for, for Cy Young in the EAL. But before you run out and decide to sign or trade for Hisashi Iwakuma in your league, keep in mind that in his five starts from June the 16th through July the 9th, he gave up at least four earned runs in every one of the starts, including a six-earned run effort on July the 9th against Boston in just three innings. His ERA has shot up to 297, so he's barely under that three mark. And for the period, his ERA has been 683. So it could be that he's tiring. It could be that he's just getting figured out by big league hitters. We'll have to wait and see. Now let's move on to the National League Cy Young, and we'll start with our National League beat reporter. It's Harold Nichols. Nick, who did you pick for your fantasy Cy Young in the National? I'm going to go with Clayton Kershaw as the uh, NL Cy Young winner at this point. A uh, uh, ERA under two, a whip under one, a ton of strikeouts, absolutely spectacular in the first half, and all of that backed by, uh, by superb skills. Certainly a dominant performance by Clayton Kershaw so far. Uh, Jock Thompson, you're out there in Los Angeles. Uh, what do you say? Another vote for Clay Kershaw here. Like Harold has noted, it's a solid combination of ERA and whip, uh, better than any of his competitors. He's also among the leaders in innings pitched and only significantly trails Matt Harvey in strikeouts. Some of the contenders here are getting more run support, but Kershaw does it for me. All right, so that's two votes for Clayton Kershaw. Todd Zola, do you want to jump on the Clayton Kershaw bandwagon? As much as I'd like to buck the trend here and give you a bang-for-the-buck sort of analysis guy, I can't. 
I just can't. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher on the planet. Therefore, he's my NL Cy Young midseason award winner. I know his strikeouts are down. His dom's down a little bit from last year. But it just doesn't matter. He's the best pitcher on the planet. I'm going to choose him as my NL Cy Young midseason award winner. I'm sensing a landslide here. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield, are you going to run along with it or get out of the way? Yeah, it's Kershaw for me too, Patrick. I agree with everything that's been said so far. Uh, Kershaw is as consistent as they come from a pitching standpoint. Well on his way to a fifth straight year of a sub-3 ERA, which is pretty incredible at his age. So Kershaw is my choice. A couple other guys that I did consider fairly strongly for this, actually. First was Adam Wainwright in his second year back from Tommy John surgery. He looks like the pitcher that he was before Tommy John surgery, one of the best in the National League so far. And also Matt Harvey. I mean, what a first half he has had uh, leading the National League in strikeouts and probably, arguably, the, the best skills of any National League starter in the first half. But at the end of the day, um, in terms of value and consistency, I had to go with Kershaw as well. Well, uh, naturally, I looked at uh, Clayton Kershaw as well. I also took a long look at Matt Harvey. But for me, the find of the year and my Cy Young pick for the National League at the halfway point is the Diamondbacks' Patrick Corbin. And this is a value pick. He was a $1 projection coming in again, probably went for a buck or two, maybe even in the reserve rounds in a lot of mixed leagues. And here he has delivered nearly a $30 season to date, a 28 buck profit. Yeah, overall, he's a buck or two behind Harvey, who was a 5 or $6 projection. But Matt Harvey was a hot pick in a lot of leagues. He was no surprise coming in. And in the long run, I'm sure Harvey is going to be better and more dominant in his career. But this year, for me so far, it's Patrick Corbin with honorable mention to Harvey and to Jeff Locke, a surprise who's probably not going to last that long, and Travis Wood of the Cubs. But I know I'm in the minority there. Clayton Kershaw, our clear winner with four votes out of five. And when we come back, our fantasy most valuable players. Stay tuned. You're listening to Baseball HQ Radio. And welcome back to Baseball HQ Radio. I'm Patrick Davitt with Jock Thompson, Todd Zola, Ryan Bloomfield, and Harold Nichols. It's our annual mid-season awards show here at Baseball HQ Radio. And now let's turn to the big prize of the day. It's the fantasy most valuable player. We'll start in the American League, and we'll start with American League BaseballHQ.com beat reporter Jock Thompson. Jock, who's your pick for the fantasy most valuable player in the American League? I think this competition is between Chris Davis and Miguel Cabrera, who are both very even in home runs and RBIs. But the difference for me is a crushing batting average edge over all American League hitters by Cabrera. 
He's kept his batting average over 350, 360 all year and almost 400 at bats. Now, were this closer, I might have picked Davis, given that he wasn't touted or drafted nearly as highly as Cabrera, but uh, Miguel Cabrera is my choice for AL Fantasy MVP. Todd Zola, what do you say? Here, I am going to go with a bang for the buck choice. And as much as I agree that Miggy is probably the real baseball MVP, in fantasy, I'm going to go with Chris Davis for the American League MVP thus far. Listen, who knows what's going to happen in the second half. He's, he's not a 300 hitter. He's not going to hit 60 home runs probably. But that's not what the question was. The question was, to this point, who's been the MVP? And if you've got Chris Davis on your team and you're not at minimum challenging for the lead, shame on you. So far, we have Chris Davis as the value pick, Miguel Cabrera as the overall pick. Let's move it on to Ryan Bloomfield from BaseballHQ.com. Ryan, you want one of these two guys or somebody else? Yeah, I'm going to break the tie here. I'm going to go with Chris Davis and side with Todd on this one. Uh, and really for Todd's reasoning as well. You know, Davis was just so much cheaper in the preseason in terms of, um, you know, where he was drafted or how much he cost at the auction table. Um, you know, now at the at the end of the year, I think that's a different story. You know, Davis his thirty three percent home run per fly ball rate is is crazy. That's going to come down. I think by the end of the year, I'm going to be saying uh, Cabrera. But so far in the first half, uh, for me, it's Chris Davis based on where he was drafted. And while his numbers are slightly worse than Cabrera's overall, um, give me Davis and his numbers in that position and a first round pick over Cabrera's numbers and a um, mid-to-late round pick. So Davis for me. Well, I was going to accuse you guys of being inconsistent. You go for Clayton Kershaw based on his actual production, and then you turn around and vote for Chris Davis based on his value. But now here I'm going to say I'm going to go with the overall value, which I've been doing the opposite all along. I'm going to vote as I did last year at this time. For me, it's Miguel Cabrera. Uh, I understand Davis's $40 season is far more profitable than Miguel Cabrera so far, but value for me also includes an element, which side would you take in a Miggy for Davis trade right now? And for me, the answer is Cabrera, because Davis's ongoing contact rate below 70% makes me seriously wonder if he can come close to maintaining his batting average and whether his power will continue at the 33% rate of home runs per fly ball that Ryan mentioned. I don't have any of those concerns with Cabrera. He's been a rock throughout his time in Detroit and before, and he's going to be a rock the rest of the year. My honorable mentions, of course, I like Chris Davis. I also like Josh Donaldson of Oakland. Here's a guy who was a $0 player basically coming in. And how about Jason Kipnis having a terrific year as well? Let me turn it over finally to uh, Harold Nichols. Nick, it's your chance to break the tie. Do you like Davis or Miguel Cabrera? I'm going to go with a little drum roll, please. Sure. Miguel Cabrera. And uh, again, the, the reason in the leagues that I play in, all the teams that are leading the league have Cabrera on their roster. And if you think about it, here's a guy with, uh, as we approach the, the all-star break, uh, nearly 100 RBIs. He's equal to almost two of somebody else. Uh, so, uh, he would be my choice. 
Okay, so Miguel Cabrera on a 3-2 to two split vote gets the nod as fantasy MVP for the American League, and a fine choice he is if I do say so myself. And finally, let's go to the National League and choose the fantasy most valuable player for the first half, and we'll start with matchups analyst from BaseballHQ.com, Ryan Bloomfield. Okay, for National League MVP, Patrick, I've got to go with Gene Segura uh, out of Milwaukee. The numbers really tell the story here. I mean, he's got a batting average right around 320 with over 25 steals and double-digit homers uh, from a shortstop, only 23 years old. Uh, in the first half, over $40 of earned value is pretty incredible, especially given the fact that his average draft position heading into the season was over 250 so he really didn't cost too much on draft day, and uh, that really sets Segura apart from the others, in my opinion. Looking forward, you know, don't expect a repeat in the second half, especially in the power department, but his expected batting average is right around 300, so some of his uh, some of his surface batting average could stick, and he's always been known as a speedster, as a prospect, so expect uh, the steals to keep coming in as well. But Segura is my choice for, for the first half MVP. Todd Zola, do you agree? Gene Segura as your most valuable player for the National League? Ryan, I like your pick of Segura, but for the same reasons that I chose Arcia over Franklin for the AL rookie, I'm going to take Paul Goldschmidt over Segura for the NL MVP. Uh, it's the runs and RBIs again that, that puts Goldschmidt over the top. Hey, Segura's got a, a ton of steals and, and, and a lot of home runs for middle infielder. And Goldschmidt has a ton of homers and a, and a good good amount of steals for a first baseman. But it's, again, the runs and RBIs do it for me, even though Segura is a shortstop and Goldschmidt's a first baseman. He's my MVP. For me, this was a two-player race. I like Paul Goldschmidt. I like a couple of other guys. But for me, it was either Dominic Brown of the Phillies or Segura from the Brewers. Brown has been the more profitable player, going for a buck or reserve round at auction and earning back about 30 while Segura had slightly higher overall production at around $33. But he did cost $10 or so in most auctions. I finally came down on the side of Segura because of his batting average advantage, about 20 more bags, and playing a much tougher position, both in real baseball terms and in terms of filling out your fantasy roster. I would also give a strong honorable mention to Starling Marte of the Cinderella Pirates. His season looks a lot like Segura's, but again, it's from an outfielder. And I have to give a tip of the cap to Carlos Gonzalez. His year is probably better than Segura's, but again, from an outfielder, and surely most of his owners paid for it. Harold Nichols, do you like Segura or Goldschmidt or somebody else? Well, let me throw out a third name for consideration, and that would be Carlos Gonzalez. At this point, Gonzalez is hitting above 300, a uh, almost 25 home runs, and on top of that, uh, 15 stolen bases. So uh, certainly a deserving, uh, deserving candidate. And the last word goes to BaseballHQ.com Director of News and Analysis and our American League beat reporter here at Baseball HQ Radio, Jock Thompson, who's your pick for the National League's most valuable fantasy player in the first half of the 2013 season. I'm going with the majority and taking Segura as well. As Ryan and PD have noted before me, he's really done it all at a premium position as a rookie. There just hasn't been any shortfall to his game at all. Uh, stolen bases closing in on 30 with a near 90% success rate really impressed me. He's among the leaders in hits and at bats. He's got double-digit homers. Give me Gene Segura. Gene Segura it is for National League Fantasy Most Valuable Player in the first half with three votes out of five. 
And that wraps up our annual mid-season award show. We had some clear winners. Nick Franklin gets four votes out of five as Fantasy Rookie of the Year in the American League. Josh Hamilton gets three votes out of five as the American League Bust of the Year. We had Hisashi Iwakuma getting three votes as Fantasy Cy Young. Clayton Kershaw, four votes as the Cy Young in the National League. And Miguel Cabrera, a 3-2 winner over Chris Davis as our Fantasy MVP for the American League. And that's Baseball HQ Radio for July the 12th, show number 26 of the 2013 Fantasy Baseball season. I'm Patrick Davitt, and I want to thank our guests today on our BaseballHQ.com roundtable, the mid-season Fantasy Baseball Awards. Harold Nichols, thanks very much for joining us. Okay, Patrick, talk to you next week. Jock Thompson. Have fun over the rest of July, PD. We'll see you when I get back in August. Todd Zola, thanks so much. Okay, Patrick. Enjoy the All-Star game, and I'll talk to you in a week. And Ryan Bloomfield. Great job, Ryan. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. It was fun. I had a great time, and I'll catch you next week. And, of course, we'll talk with all of these guys and many others in Baseball HQ Radio in the weeks to come. Don't forget, we are going to twice-a-week production starting on Tuesday when our featured guest will be Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com and one of the co-hosts of Rotowire Fantasy Sports Today on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next week with two editions of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio. So long. Baseball HQ Radio is a weekly free podcast available through iTunes and other podcast aggregators or directly from BaseballHQ.com, where we have an archive of past shows as well. Just look for the HQ Radio microphone logo on the right side of the BaseballHQ.com homepage. Baseball HQ Radio is a production of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The opinions expressed on Baseball HQ Radio are those of the individual speaking and not necessarily those of the USA Today Sports Media Group. The program is produced and edited by Patrick Davitt.